I want to speak today about Psalm 112, 111 and 112. I discovered Psalm 112 when I was 26. I had come back to faith after trying to live life on my own terms and finding myself stretched thinly across the multiple masks um, that I was using to face the different people and spaces I was trying to negotiate as a young adult. As a dutiful daughter, I was trying to uh, meet the norms of my parents' extensive Christian social network but at the same time, I was experimenting with the different personas that I could put on around peers who seemed to take me as face value in the university setting. But it was exhausting. And a turning point came for me with, when a childhood friend and I got together and we realized that we were going through exactly the same thing. And we began a journey of a quest to kind of pull ourselves back together. It really felt like we were scattered and needed to pull ourselves back together. I remember reading Psalm 112 and having this kind of jolt of recognition about the, personal, the person I really wanted to be, the integral, gracious, generous person that was portrayed in this psalm. I was so struck by the stability, the sense of being unafraid, generous, and gracious. I remember reading Psalm 112 every night for months on end, just internalizing it, changing the pronouns from male to female and really trying to make it my own as I began to, you know, rediscover my faith in uh, a generous, gracious, good and unshakable God. I've really loved the way that our community has been touched by poetry this year, that we've been reading poetry and now we're reading the Psalms. Poetry, I think, captures the language of the heart and the epistemology, the way of knowing of faith in a way that is just unique and precious. So my hope today is that I can communicate with you some of the delight that I felt in meditating on Psalms 111 and 112. So would you just pray with me as we uh, come to these Psalms together? Lord Yahweh, thank you for the privilege of making us part of your covenant people. For the privilege of experiencing the Psalms of expression of our own faith. Lord Yahweh, grant that by the quickening of your Holy Spirit, my meditation and my words will provoke in my brothers and sisters today the delight that you have shared with me in your word. And we pray that you would transform us as we meditate on your glory and your goodness. Although it's not obvious in the English translations, in fact, Psalm 112, 111 and 112 are kind of a pair. And I've made that obvious to you in the handouts that you should have uh, on the sermon because they're acrostic. That means that every single sentence begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet or alphabet. And so I've actually um, kind of tried to make that more obvious. And that's what we're gonna be reading today. We're gonna to read these through a couple of times. And I've also kind of grouped them by shadings and this will be obvious in the handouts um, when, we, when we do in the PowerPoint. I would recommend those of you who are at home, it might be a good idea to pull out your Bibles and simply look at um, have 100 Psalms 111 and 112 open in front of you. 
In terms of the types of psalms, Psalm 111 is a hymn. It's a reflection on the qualities and graciousness of God. And Psalm 112, would, we would call that like a wisdom psalm, and that it really reflects on who is the good person. So let's start off reading Psalm 111. Oops. The subject of Psalm 111 is uh, God, and not just God, but our God, and Yahweh. And as you all well know, uh, Yahweh is the way that we are pronouncing the unpronounceable name that is rendered in the English translations as L-O-R-D, all caps, Lord, or Adonai in Hebrew, we would say sometimes, just out of reference. And as you know, many pious Jews will simply not say the word, they'll just call it the name. So it's been lovely today, knowing me, that you've led us in worship to the name. The significance of this name is it's God's personal name. It's the, it, he told Moses, I am who I am, I am, I am. And we call this Yahweh. And so I am with audaciousness of a child coming before the throne of God. I'm going to call him Yahweh today. So it's such a privilege to pronounce his name. So let's read Psalm 111. And as we do this, I just want you to keep an eye out for the recurring word of work, different words for work, deeds, fashioning. It's about a meditation on God's work. Also look for things about remembrance. It was lovely listening to the reading today. God says, when you come to the land, remember. So we're going to think about remembering as well. This, the psalm starts actually with hallelujah, which we translate as praise the Lord. But in fact, I liked it, the reading today because let's boast in the Lord. It, that's what it means. It's just go glory big on the Lord today. So let's glory in the Lord. So let's read this, the, the psalm. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Give I thanks to Yahweh with my whole heart in the company of the upright and in the congregation. Great are the works of Yahweh sought out by those who delight in them. Majesty and splendor are his deeds and his righteousness stands in perpetuity. A memorial he has fashioned of his wondrous workings Gracious and compassionate is Yahweh. Food he sets out to those that fear him. Remembers he his covenant forever and always. Powerful works he has displayed to his people in giving them the, inherit, the heritage of nations. The works of his hands are faithfulness and justice. Made sure are all his precepts. Established and true are they forever accomplished in truth and uprightness. Redemption he has sent to his people, commanded forever is his covenant, holy and awesome is his name. The beginning of wisdom is fear of Yahweh, right understanding have those that so do, his praise stands or endures forever. And that leads directly into the hallelujah of Psalm 112. Before I get there, I just have a little tiny digression. And, and it has to do with, uh, the Psalm is about the individual human being and the good person. 
And it was so important for me to personalize this song, to make it about a good woman and not the good man. So I grew up in a world where I had to translate every, every time they said man, I had to say, you mean humans and all that. And as our language has become more and more specific now, I find sometimes that I really have to do the math in my head saying, okay, man is human. And I do that devotionally for myself if that was okay. But as I began to study Hebrew, I kind of realized it's even more gendered than Spanish or French, like everything is gendered. And I thought, can I actually publicly get away with making this gender neutral, you know? And I was uh, kind of praying a lot about that. And I read a commentator that kind of gave me comfort in this. And he said that usually the word, there's various words for people or, or humans, but some of them are quite specifically male. And so the, the language here is it's about the individual male. I was like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? But then I read this wonderful commentary that said, actually, when, when even a male term is juxtaposed with God, then it's always understood to be the human. So, and since, you know, it's not something that's obvious when you just read Psalm 112 alone, but when you read it next to Psalm 111, it's clear that this is about the good human. And so I've kept in the text, I've kept the male pronouns, but please excuse me if I mix it up when I read it, because I just want you to appropriate this whatever your gender is, and even if it's complicated, this is for you. This is God's good news to you. So let's read that. Blessed is the one who fears Yahweh. In his commands, she greatly delights. Mighty on the earth is his seed. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness stands in perpetuity. Appears she to the upright as light in the darkness, gracious and compassionate and righteous. Well it is with the one who is gracious and lends freely, measured and just in his affairs. So she will never be shaken and overthrown. In remembrance forever is the existence of the righteous. Murmurs of evil do not arouse fear. Made firm is his heart trusting in Yahweh. Established, braced is his heart, not afraid, until she looks upon her enemies. Scattered broadly is their giving to the needy. His righteousness stands forever. His horn is lifted in honor. The wicked see it and are vexed. His teeth are gnashed and waste away, and the desires of the wicked will perish. There's two things I really want to bring forward in this. The first one is that it starts off with the word delight. I want to circle back to the top of uh, Psalm 112, and it invites us to delight. And it actually starts, this kind of has an echo of Psalm 1, where in Psalm 1, it says, blessed is the one. And then it says, who delights in the law of the Lord. And it's contrasted with the wicked whose desires perish at the end. And we see that same echo in this Psalm. And there's a real difference between desire and delight, because delight is about an emotional response. Whereas desire can be neutral, it can be good, it can be bad. But to delight, you have to be happy. And so I really want to share to you that 
today some of the things that I found so delightful in this hymn, in this uh, psalm. I'm really thankful for the insight that Ian gave us last week about God's commandments being yummy. You know, he commands them to eat when they're hungry, just like Jesus commands us to take his bread and his, his, um, the wine in remembrance of him. His, and the word in Hebrew is mitzvot. These are good deeds. These are good things. And so it is delightful to know, to, to um, trust in him. Some of the delights in this are actually some of the poetic devices that are used. And I just want to do this really, really briefly. But as a when when Hebrew is interesting because the alphabet actually has uh, is more complicated than just ABC because it kind of stands for numbers and it has pictures. And some in particularly actually are like parts of the body, like calf is the palm of the hand or the soles of the feet, ayin is the eye. Pays the mouth, rushes the head. So there's, when you read a psalm, you tend to look at it, an acrostic psalm, you tend to look at it trying to say, what's he going to do with such and such a letter? So it's kind of fun to see these in the word. And there are some strong associations um, that, that I hope that I can bring out. But one of them, for instance, that's kind of a, a nice one, uh, I like anyways, is in, which is an 8B. So this is I, and we can see that this um, that the person's heart, the good person's heart, is established and firm, trusting in the Lord until he gazes on his enemy. So, without using the word "ion," until is not "ion," but you can see the reference to the eye there. And there's some other beautiful ones too. There's um, I'll, I'll come to the reference of the hand, but another cool one is the one on teeth. So this is shin, the little bottom of your your sheet. You've got it in the back. And you can sort of see that that shin sign is looks like a set of teeth or a nice smile, right? You can sort of see a smiley tooth. So when the wicked person sees the blessedness of the righteous good person, they are vexed. I like that word. They get vexed and their teeth are gnashed. And actually they're gnashed so badly that they melt away and they just, you know, the desires of the wicked perish. So these are some lovely ways. I don't want to belabor it too much, but there's just some lovely ways in which the poetic devices become delightful. But I really want to focus on what, on the reading that I think this invites us to, which is the most important one, and that is reading them side by side. And this is where the sermon title comes from in the reflected glory. As we read these, I, I want to just choose some of them. The first one I want to choose is from verse five. In verse five in Psalm 111, it says uh, that, that Yahweh sets out food to those who fear him. And in this case, the poet is using an association, a word association of tet, that word which is often portrayed as a basket and sometimes represents plenty and bounty. So it's, it's the picture of bounty that the Lord provides to those, who feed him, to, to those who fear him. And it is his way of being endlessly mindful of his covenant. But how does Yahweh provide food? We heard last week that Yahweh provided food to his people in, by manna for 40 years in the wilderness. But when we read it with Psalm 112, verse 5, the answer here is that God also provides through the good person. And it, in, in verse five, it says, well, it is with the one who is gracious and lends freely, 
measured and just in his affairs. And that word measured, in fact, is kind of interesting because the, the word image is yad, it's like it's yad, yad, yad is hand, yad is the word. And when you put it together, one of the things that yad means is like, it's like a cubit, the arm and the hand together make a, make a cubit. And so, and, but in fact, the word is that it's a prefix around a word that means to contain as in a basket. And so the, the image that we have here is this, this good person with their hands around a big basket that the Lord has given them. And they are measured in all of their affairs, lending freely to the needy. And I just think it's a beautiful image. And, and this word is not used a lot, about, but about half the times that it is used, it is used referring to a basket of provisions. So that's a beautiful way in which we see the reflected glory of um, the good person reflecting the, the glory. The other place that we see generos uh, Yahweh's generosity being echoed is in verse nine, where we see that uh, uh, Yahweh has sent redemption to his people. The word there specifically is ransom. So Yahweh has paid the price. He has paid the ransom that has gotten his people out of slavery, imprisonment, and debt. And we know that the Hebrew people will be thinking of the terrible cost that was paid for, to get them out of slavery, the death of the firstborn male, both cattle and people in Egypt. And we ourselves know what it cost to get us our redemption, the cost of God's unique and only son. And the response to that is in verse, uh, in Psalm 112, where scattered broadly, are, is the giving of the good person to the needy. This is a natural response to what we have received from God. I have to check my time. I still have time. So I, still ha I have a time to do a really lovely one that's really cool. So this is in the set six to eight. And we have in Psalm 111, we have an image here of God's working and how he has fashioned, look at his, the words around his hands, how he has fashioned his acts and his precepts to be strong, dependable pillars. And in Psalm 112, we see the response of the good person to hardship. The word, you know, we say it will not be overthrown, but this is a, a figure of somebody undergoing hardship. They're being shaken, but not overthrown. They're living in a context where there's rumors and reports of evil, but somehow this person is steady and firm. And two words really tie this together. The one would be in 7b, and I've kind of tried to make, and even though the words are slightly different, um, one is in Psalm 111, where it says, Yahweh has made sure all of his precepts, and those precepts and trusting in those precepts make firm the heart of the good person. And the word they are made is actually, the firm and the sure are pretty close, but they're two different words and they're just brought together by this intensification of the prefix that comes from the noon for that word. But the really cool one there is the word in verse eight, and that is uh, translated as established in both places, but the meaning is slightly different. So in smook, that word smook is actually an architectural term referring to a pillar, brace, or support. And in Psalm 111, we have a picture of this, 
we have a picture of this as a pillar. We see that Yahweh's precepts or principles are sure and true in the sense of being perfectly upright, perfectly up and down, giving this image that they are strong, dependable. You can lean against them. And in Psalm 112, the sense given to establishment is more that they're braced. So these, this, the heart of the good person, the righteous person, is braced against the strong, dependable pillar of the precepts of God. And so the stance of confidence and steadiness does not come from the person's own inner confidence and in how great they are as a person. It comes from this bracing themselves on the Lord's precepts and on the Lord's character. I want to finish though with some of the most startling ones. Maybe they're not startling for you, but I'll try to make them startling. We're gonna go back now to verses three and four. We have an echo between the majesty and splendor of Yahweh's deeds and the wealth and riches that are in the house of the good person. But I don't know about you, but I was like floored when I saw that the exact same phrase and his righteousness endures forever is applied to Yahweh and to the good person. I find this stunning. How can this be that we could ever get to be that reflective of the Lord's glory? In verse four, it's more of a sleeper, but it's equally there. And I hope I can explain this to you well. In verse four, in Psalm 111, it tells us of God's wondrous workings. And it's actually a reminder that all of this is about who God is. It's about remembering who God's character is as gracious and compassionate. The glory of God is his character. Yes, he does wonderful works, but the real glory of God is his character, which he revealed to Moses. And we have this wonderful expression of God's character in Exodus 20, uh, 34, verse 6, where he says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but by no means clearing the guilty. This is the glory of God. And here we have it reflected here, gracious and compassionate is the Lord. What's stunning though, is that that word for gracious, it, has, it, it is only used of people in one place in all of scriptures, and that's in Psalm 112. Everywhere else where you see gracious and compassion, it's only applied to the Lord, to Yahweh. And here is one place where we dare to compare it and to sort of appropriate it as a good person. I find this astounding. In fact, some of the translations feel so uncomfortable with about this, like the Revised Standard Translation actually puts the Lord in front of it. So they say the Lord is gracious and compassionate and righteous. But, you know, when I look at this, I know that that doesn't pertain to me. That only pertains to one person. Only Jesus is the person who, can, who totally and absolutely reflected the compassion, goodness, righteousness of God. I always read, when I read the Psalms, I always ask myself, where is Jesus in the Psalm? And Honestly, when I came to this, my expectation was that Jesus would be the good person. He'd be the exemplary good person. And that's true. 
But as I read it, actually, I realized that Jesus is Psalm 111. And I kind of, as I reflected on it, I recognized that to my own chagrin, I have to say, I've allowed myself to settle into a comfortable untruth that diminishes Jesus to a very, very good person. But as I meditate on this, I need to be confronted with the somewhat uncomfortable truth that Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is Yahweh who became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. He made tangible the character and being of Yahweh, and his life and death is the ransom for his people. So Psalm 112 provided my 20-something self with a pattern of the good and generous person I so wanted to be. And I had the hope that one day I would achieve that. But my 60-something self knows how far she is from being that person. My hope is really in 2 Corinthians um, three, I think that's, I, I put the wrong um, reading in today, but I my hope is really that as we begin to, with unveiled faces, look at the glory of God, that somehow God's Holy Spirit, Yahweh's Holy Spirit within us will transform us so that we can in some way reflect his glory. I look around, I see people in this congregation who to me reflect God's glory. You are my hope. But I have to say that when I read this, and I realize that the sovereign of the universe in Psalm 111 reached out to me in pure mercy and outrageous grace to redeem me at a huge cost and make me part of his covenant people, I feel like I have to take off my shoes. suddenly standing on holy ground. And all we can say is holy and awesome is his name. We affirm that the beginning of wisdom is this fear of the Lord, whose praise stands forever and ever. And blessed indeed is the one who fears Yahweh, who delights in his mitzvot, holy and fearsome is his name.